Thanks for listening to this teaching from City of Life Church. Check out www.col.tv for more great teachings, service times, and information on upcoming events. Now, let's join the service already in progress. All right, here we go. Uh, Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. It says, But what happens when we live God's way? He brings gifts into our lives much the same way that fruit appears in an orchard. One more time on that. But, oh, hey, who's back there? We got the hallelujah wall. Are y'all feeling good today? All right, I like it. I love it. Everyone, okay, who's wearing sweatpants? Don't lie. Raise your hand if you got sweatpants on. We can't say, okay, got Raul over there. Some of y'all are just not telling the truth. I just have a feeling. We're going, we'll have a confessional uh, at cityoflife.tv slash confessional after, and we'll have a pastor on there uh, for you to talk to about the lie you just told. So, I mean, I don't know. Maybe you're just not wearing pants and you're just like, you're like, I don't want to get that personal. I'm not sure what's going on. Oh, no, that's not true. Okay, pastor, what are you doing? You just start, read the text and now you're making insane jokes. Here we go. I'm, I don't know. I'm, I'm going crazy. I've been in quarantine for uh, how long has it been now? It's like 18 weeks. Here we go. So let's get back into this. So it says, what happens when we live God's way? He brings gifts into our lives much the same way that fruit appears in an orchard. That's the, that's the text scripture. And I think it is, I think the message version is so beautiful. Uh, Just the way fruit appears in an orchard. To think of my life as a place where fruit can grow like an orchard. I'm going to talk to you week one, our series called Orchard. Father, thank you for your presence. Thank you for your goodness today. Uh, We thank you, Lord, that you're moving in our lives uh, regardless of how it feels. I uh, pray that you would be in the middle of every family's conversations today. You'd be in the middle of every person that's in solitude, that's alone, in in the middle of their heart, in the middle of their thoughts, that you would reveal yourself in brand new ways in this season that we've never seen you before. Lord, help us to get this word, to take it to heart, and to live it out uh, so so that people can recognize in us something that can only come from heaven that is in our lives. And we thank you uh, that this week, Lord, is the NFL draft, uh, that of all the weeks that you could have picked... Uh, to do something that beautiful. It was the week, uh, you know, about a week and a half after Easter because you knew uh, that we needed something hopeful uh, culturally. Uh, So I pray in Jesus' name that either the Cowboys, Lord, and I'm I'm just locking into heaven here, Lord, just that they would either sign Dak to a long-term contract or you would give them some wisdom to negotiate the franchise tag they put on him that benefits the team in the long run. We thank you for that today in Jesus' name. And all the angels said, amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Have you ever, you ever met somebody and their vibe or mannerism just gives them away completely? Uh, I was standing in line at a theme park and I heard a guy talking. And I, I just turned around to my wife. I said, I bet you $1,000 he's from Alabama. I just could tell that he was saying things the way he was talking to his family. And he just, it sounded like everyone I grew up around. He said, hey, we get back to the hotel, we're going to go to the pool. That, that means we're going to go swimming when we get back to the place that we've, uh, you know, rented for the week. Uh, and I could just, I just said, hey, that guy's from Alabama. He sounds exactly like my uncle. And so I, I just looked at him. And I was like, roll tide. He was like, you from Alabama too? And I was like, yeah, I mean, I just knew it. I just, I just just tell, I just locked in. 
I was totally right. You just, you just can't deny certain things about yourself when you're from a place. It's just innate in you. Coming out of this Easter story, there's, there's a little bit of a haunting verse, Matthew 26, 73, that says, After a little while, those standing there went up to Peter and said, Surely you're one of them. Your accent gives you away. That means Peter was purposely trying to deny Jesus, and he couldn't. He just flat out talked like him. He picked up things from being around Jesus that fully gave him away. And I believe that when we live a spirit-led life, when we live a life that is truly committed to Jesus, and please, push in today. I mean, sometimes when we're in the middle of a time like quarantine, we just, our, our hours just, just run by just like this. I don't know if you're binge watching something. Sometimes you just need a, you need something to wake you up. Well, wake up today and let's get into this because I believe when you live a spirit-led life, there are certain things that just begin to seep out of your life. Beautiful things, amazing things, things that can only be picked up if you're living a spirit kind of life. That is what the fruit of the spirit is supposed to look like in the life of a Christian. Our lives are supposed to be so full of Jesus that we couldn't deny him if we wanted to. That's what the series Orchard is about. You could tell a lot about someone from just observing them. And when they don't know they're being watched, you can tell a lot about someone's life. So I love this text, Galatians 5.22. What happens when we live God's way? He brings gifts into our lives the same way fruit appears in an orchard. That word orchard is a piece of land planted with fruit trees. So it says that he brings things into our life. It's the way fruit appears in an orchard. Put your hand on your heart and say, my life is an orchard. Come on, one more time. Say, my life is an orchard. Uh, look at someone next to you. If you're sitting next to somebody, if not, keep your hand on your heart. Talk to yourself. Say, if I'm not producing fruit, I'm not fulfilling my purpose. Okay, so this whole chapter of Galatians 5 is amazing. It is ridiculous. You need to turn off tiger show and, and, and you need to put the, you need to open this up Galatians 5 and you need to start reading this this week this thing is packed with power with meaning but in order to understand all the stuff about orchard and fruit that he's talking about I mean it sounds like the preacher line let's get into the context well you have to get into the context to understand what he's even talking about Here's what he was talking about. Paul had won these people to Jesus. I'm not sure how you came to your faith. Maybe you grew up in church. Maybe, like many people at City of Life, you didn't go to church at all. You didn't know anything about God. You came in here. A lot of people here got saved at Blink. They'd never walked into a church before. They heard the message of the gospel. They came. They don't know what amen is. They don't know what hallelujah is. They don't know what you're lifting your hand is. All these things are things that were new. So, particularly with these people, Paul had won these people to Christ who had no prior experience. They were Gentiles. No prior experience serving God whatsoever. So Paul had to explain to them the story of God's people with Abraham, that God made promises that were inherent to people that followed him 
as a nation Israel and that Jesus was the fulfillment of all the law codes that they had to live by up until that point. But in Christ, when Christ came, he set them free from all the rules and the regulations of the law by fulfilling them all himself so that no longer do you have to live out all these laws, law by law, but you still get the fulfillment of all the promises that the law offered you if you were to fulfill them through Christ. That's a dope message. So Paul is severely concerned that the, the, the gospel that he has preached to them, which is good, it's strong, it's right, has been corrupted by religious people who are Christians, but who came out of the Jewish way of living and were telling them, grace is not enough in Christ. Okay, now, now I want you, now, if this is not like, you know, if this is not about who killed the the lady's husband and buried him or something like that? Are you like all souped up on you know, tigers and stuff? You just got to fo focus for a second here because this is, this, this is going to take a little focus. Okay, it's going to take a little focus. But if you'll focus with me, I promise this is going to go somewhere powerful. Okay? So put your hand on your heart and say, I'm going to focus. Come on, say, this is better than tigers. Come on, say it. Say, this is better than tigers. It is. So, so what's happening is Paul is dealing with these Jewish Christians who have come into the people that he has won to Christ, who are now, and, and here's why you should press in, you're saying, well, I'm none of those people. Oh, yes, you are. You'll find out. We all are. We all tend to be one of these people. Don't ever be dismissive of Scripture. You're in there. You're in the story. You're one or the other. And if you say you're not, you need to read it a hundred times till you realize which one you are. I promise you. So these people have come in, and they've told these new Christians, well, the law is very powerful and it's very important. And Jesus is important too, but we still need to fulfill this element of the law, that element of the law. And as a matter of fact, why don't you go get circumcised? Now, I don't know about you, but if I'm these Gentile people that found out about Christ, and I got one person saying you need to go get circumcised, and Paul saying you don't have to, I'd be, I would have a Paul, I, this would say Paul on my shirt instead of freedom. I'd be in the Paul group, okay? But you got these people that are telling them that they have got to do all of these specific laws, and, it's, and that, this is the context. So Paul goes, Christ has set us free, woo, freedom, to live a free life, so take your stand. Never again let anybody put a harness of slavery on you. What he's telling them is that when you came to Jesus, and, and if you're watching and you don't know Jesus, he loves you so much. There is so much freedom in Christ. You say, well, I've got freedom now. No. No. Every person is going to be bound to something. Everyone is bound to serve something. There's no freedom the way you're talking about it. What you don't realize is that you're either a slave to sin or you are a slave to Christ. But what's amazing about being a slave to Christ is a slave to Christ is actually what freedom looks like. That's what true freedom is. And that's what Paul is talking about. He says, never let anyone put that old harness of slavery on you. He said, I'm being emphatic about this. The moment any one of you submits to circumcision... I can't even believe that these guys convinced these dudes. These guys are, all right, okay, I'll do it. Really? 
It says, the moment any one of you submits to circumcision or any other rule-keeping system, at that same moment, Christ's hard-won gift of freedom is squandered. Okay, so you go, well, circumcision is not an issue for me. Other things might be. Whatever those laws are in your life that you believe by living those out to a T, that it makes you such a good person that you can earn God's grace. That's the area of your life you need to watch out for. See, because they're, they're re-implementing laws that have already been fulfilled by Christ. And, and, and Paul's going, what are you doing? Are you trying to earn what Jesus already earned? He says, I repeat my warning. The person who accepts the ways of circumcision trades all the advantages of the free life in Christ for the obligations of the slave life of the law. Now, please follow me here. What he's saying is that if you are a religious-minded person, let's just say your thing is, well, I don't cuss. I've never cussed. I have never missed church. I have never missed tithing. I have never... It is, be really careful that those, all those I have never and I don't this and I don't that do not become these laws that you have made for yourself and you have such a perfect standard and you're so proud of your perfect standard. And you brag about your perfect standard. You have done exactly what these people are doing. And what it is, is it's a legalistic, a self-absorbed, legalistic, legal, meaning the law. You have created law and you are living a legal kind of life. And he says, I suspect you would never intend this. But this is what happens when you attempt to live by your own religious plans and projects. You're cut off from Christ. Hallelujah, all. How do you feel about that? That's intense, right? No hallelujahs. Okay. No hallelujahs. I know, because it's intense. Because no one likes to admit, none of us. I mean, it's, it's a hard thing to hallelujah. When you hear that when you live by your own set of rules and all you care about is fulfilling your rules that you're cut off, nobody wants to kick your leg up and shout hallelujah. Why? Because we love our laws. We're proud of our laws. We're proud of our record. We're proud of what we don't do. We've proud, we're proud of what we've accomplished. But it says, you've, when you attempt to live by these plans and projects, you're cut off from Christ. It says you fall out of grace. I don't know about you, but I need to fall into it. I can't afford to fall out of grace. I need all the grace I can get. You fall out of grace. It says, meanwhile, we expectantly wait for a satisfying relationship with the Spirit. For in Christ, neither... Our most conscientious religion, nor disregard of religion, amounts to anything. What matters is something far more interior. Here's the line. Faith expressed in love. So what is the answer for self-absorbed legalism? Love. And love is not only a fruit of the Spirit, as we shall see when we get into that part. But love is also that great commandment that Jesus gave us. Love is also the mandate that Jesus gave us that we talked about last week. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. See, legalism is never about love. It's all about me. It's all about myself. It's about what I do, what I don't do. It has nothing to do with serving other people. So this legalistic life is a trap set by the enemy. 
You have to do this. You have to do that. Okay, so listen. So he says, so the answer for self-absorbed legalism is love. Okay, he says, you were running superbly. Who cut in on you, deflecting you from the true course of obedience? The, de- and, and, and the answer is that bad teachers and bad teaching, that's why you should be very careful. If you attend another church and you're just watching this instead of watching your church, go back and watch your church. Uh, it's, it's really, I mean, it's one thing if you're listening to a podcast for information later in the week, but you got to be committed to your pastor who pours into your life on a regular basis and who teaches sound doctrine. Why? Because of what Paul is talking about here. He can teach sound doctrine, but then you run over here and you go over to somebody else who doesn't teach sound, and he's got to deal with the fallout of you going and listening to Joe Blow. Sorry, Pastor Joe Blow. He says, who cut in on you, deflecting you from the true course of obedience? This detour doesn't come from the one who called you into the race in the first place. And please don't toss this off as insignificant. It only takes a minute. A a minute. It it, it is minute. But in this case, it's minute. And and that would be a reading problem. Uh, It's spelled the same in my defense. Uh, I promise you my IQ is above four. Uh, It only takes a minute minute amount of yeast, you know, to permeate an entire loaf of bread. Deep down, the master has given me confidence that you will not defect. But the one who is upsetting you, whoever he is, will bear the divine judgment. As for the rumor that I continue to preach the ways of circumcision, and and this this is interesting too, it's basically saying that all the people that were telling them they needed to go back and obey the laws were using Paul as the scapegoat, saying, oh, well, Paul agrees with this. He says, that's absurd. Why would I still be persecuted if I'm still preaching circumcision? The reason I'm being persecuted is I'm preaching the cross. If I were preaching that old message, nobody would be offended. If I mentioned the cross now and then, it'd be so watered down that it wouldn't matter one way or another. Why don't these agitators... Now, now if you want to talk about how frustrated... How frustrating it is as a pastor to have somebody come along and teach the people that you've been pouring into bad bad information. Let's look at the savage of all savages right here. If I said this line, I'd be unfollowed. Everyone would leave me. I'd be be a scapegoat. But Paul says it. He can get away with it. He goes, why don't these agitators, who? These false teachers. Why don't these agitators, obsessive as they are about circumcision, go all the way and castrate themselves? Zero hallelujahs from the hallelujah wall. I know it's hard to hallelujah, but he's saying that's how bad it is. That's how bad it is. People that take, that take vulnerable Christians and lead them down a road that is not beneficial from them. I just wish that he said, I just wish they'd go castrate themselves. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that, but he said it. I can just read it and agree with it. He goes, it's absolutely clear that God has called you to live a free life. Somebody say, I'm called to live free. Just make sure that you don't use this freedom. Okay, now this is big right here. This is big. And band, give me an extra couple minutes here. I'm going to go a little longer today. But I want to get through this before we get to our other stuff. Um, This is big right here. I'm not going to use the word pivot because that is the, one of the words that have annoyed me so deeply during this crisis is the word pivot. I just won't use that word pivot. So 
I don't, I'm, not, I'm not considering this, this is a pivot, okay? But, but Paul uh, makes a distinction between what we have just discussed, which is a legalistic life, and this other kind of life that is also wrong, and it's also deadly. He goes, it's clear that God has called you to live a free life. That's why I wore this shirt today. Just make sure that you don't use this freedom as an excuse to do whatever you want and to destroy your freedom. So see, our rationale would tell us, well, if Paul is putting down this religious kind of life, then obviously I should be over here doing whatever I want, getting drunk every night and partying and sleeping with whoever I want. But I do it in Christ. Christ loves me. No, no. He's condemning this religious life. He's, he's condemning this life of, of the law, and then he's condemning this lawless life. And he goes in, he digs in. Are you ready for this? Can you handle this hallelujah wall? This is big stuff for the week after Easter. Big stuff. Okay, we're going to get into it. He says, so, so, so real quick, I just want to read this and make sure that you understand before I start reading these hardcore things that he condemns. He says, it's clear that God has called you to live a free life. Just make sure that you don't use this freedom as an excuse to do whatever you want and destroy your freedom. He says, rather use your freedom to serve one another in love. That's how freedom grows. So the answer for self-absorbed legalism is what? Love. And the answer for self-absorbed lawlessness is what? Love. Ooh. That's money right there. That feels so good. He's saying that both of these extremes are wrong. And here's the problem. Is when we look at these two extremes, a law-centered life or a lawless life, we're always going, well, see, as a, as a believer, my trouble has always been stringing, swinging between the extremes. I, I come over here to this side of the law, then I, I'll, I'll drift over here, then I'm here. And the, 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 the thing as a Christian that I've learned is balance. Balance. That, that's, it's, and like what we think is that the answer is, <laughs> really? You, so this is dead wrong. And this is dead wrong. And you're telling me the answer is somewhere? You got to figure out the answer is somewhere in here? They're both wrong. They're all wrong. This is wrong. This is wrong. This is wrong. He's saying the right answer has nothing to do with these two extremes. It's not finding your right space. The right answer is somewhere different. It's a spirit life. Neither of these are a spirit life. These are all lives that we live in the flesh. They're things that we earn. They're things that we do. They're things that we try to obtain on our own. Paul is nudging us toward, come on, hallelujah. Well, Paul is nudging us toward a, and empowering us to live a spirit life, which is higher than this these extremes that we settle for, thinking we can earn it or think that we don't have to worry about it. And the answer to all of it is something that doesn't exist on this plane. The answer to all of this is something that is above this plane. What is the answer? Love. And what is love? An attribute of the Spirit. 
It's something that we can only get from living the spirit kind of life. He says, for everything we know about God's word is summed up in a single sentence. Love others as you love yourself. That's an act of true freedom. If you bite and ravage each other, watch out. In no time at all, you'll be annihilating each other. And where will, your, where will your precious freedom be then? My counsel is this. Live freely, animated, and motivated by what? Come on, what is this up here? The spirit life. Animated and motivated by God's spirit. Then you won't feel the compulsions of selfishness. Pew. Living life knocked around like a ping pong ball. Knocked, knocked around like, like you're in a pinball machine. Boom. Law. Boom. Lawlessness. Boom. Are you following me? Now you're living the spirit life up here. Live freely, animated and motivated by God's spirit. He says, for there's a root of sinful self-interest in us that is at odds with a free spirit. Just as the free spirit is incompatible with selfishness. So this life up here is incompatible with this life down here. We've, we've been missing it by going, oh, 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 oh boy, feeling a little legalistic. Let me inch over here. Let me, let me reactivate my HBO account. I just, I tithed 42 straight weeks. HBO activated. And, and like you actually believe that, that you have some ability to, to choose the distance between, they're all wrong. Spirit life. It's up here. You got law enforcers and rule rejectors, and they're all wrong. I'm not sure which one you tend to lean towards. But he says, these two ways of life, what? This up here and this down here are antithetical. They can't exist at the same time. They're mutually exclusive. So that you cannot live at times one way and at times another way according to how you feel on any given day. Why don't you choose to be led by the Spirit and so escape the erratic compulsions of the law-dominated existence and being bounced back and forth between this desire to just do whatever you want, whenever you want, and this law-based life over here. Stop and give in to the compulsions of the Holy Spirit. Choose to be led by the Spirit. And then I'm going to end, and Ben, you can come up. I'm going to end with some stuff that sounds harsh, but it's really not. And, 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 and I want you to get what I'm about to say. You're going to think that the things that Paul goes into are only about rule rejectors. Wrong. It's about any self-absorbed kind of life. It is about rule rejectors and law enforcers. Okay, so the works of the flesh are what you get when you live a self-absorbed kind of life. And he goes on to say, it's obvious what kind of life develops out of trying to get your own way all the time. Get your own way by keeping all the law. Get your own way by rejecting it all in the name of Christ. He says, here are the things that develop. Repetitive, loveless, cheap sex. And, you know, and by the way, that can be faithfully married people 
who have loveless, cheap sex. Why? Because they've lost the love of the spirit that empowers you to give and have a loving life with one another, but they never feel any conviction about it whatsoever. Why? Because you're obeying the law. See, and then obviously over here in this lawless life, people that live their life sexually doing whatever they want to do, there's no love involved in that either. Both are devoid of love. So I want you to understand this applies to all these things. A stinking accumulation of mental and emotional garbage, these kind of things, this life down here, lawlessness, are always keeping the laws. It just emotional and mental garbage, frenzied and joyless grabs for happiness, trinket gods, magic show religion, paranoid loneliness, cutthroat competition, all-consuming and yet never satisfied wants, a brutal temper. Oh, don't tell me that people that are legalistic don't have brutal tempers. Oh my gosh, some of the, some of the meanest stuff I ever heard in my life was growing up in, in denominationalism and seeing people supposedly with holy rage that were just so mean and cruel, nothing holy about it whatsoever. Impotence to love or be loved, divided homes and divided lives, small-minded and lopsided pursuits. The vicious, oh, this, this kills right here. The vicious habit of depersonalizing everyone into a rival. Uncontrolled and uncontrollable addictions. I love this too. Ugly parodies of community. See, religion builds a parody of what community is supposed to be. And a lot of churches, big churches sometimes, successful churches, have these parodies. And we know that over here, I think, you know, just watching Cheers growing up. I remember when I was a kid, I was like, why can't I? Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name. I mean, what is that? It's, it's a community, but it's really a parody of community. That's what it's talking about. He says, I could go on. He goes, this isn't the first time I've warned you, you know. If you use your freedom this way, you will not inherit God's kingdom. What is the solution? I'm gonna read this line. So I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the, fr- of the flesh. I'm not even gonna read the fruit of the spirit this week. And I know that that seems like a bait and switch. It's not. What I wanted to do is I wanted to set up how desperately we need our life to become an orchard because an orchard means that our heart is fertile soil that God's word can be planted into, that we're growing things that benefit others, that we're loving as Jesus loved us. I would love if you would go to col.tv slash quiz. And we have a quiz that is on there for our orchard series. I want you to prepare for next week. If you could take that quiz, you just put your name, email address, fill it out. It'll send it back to you and you'll put them in order of the areas that you excel at temperamentally. That sort of means that just as people, even without the Holy Spirit in our life, there's some areas that we tend to be 
better at or stronger at. And it will help us identify areas as we get into it next week that the Holy Spirit can really develop. Next week, we're going to talk about fake fruit. And that's what the quiz is for, to help get you ready. But I just wanted to start this week by just saying this stuff doesn't work, man. This law-based life, doing everything perfect, it's just broken. I want to tell you something, Christian, if you're out here and you're living a lawless life, you're busted, man. You're living a busted, broken down life. You think you're living in freedom. You have no real, you have no idea. You've traded your freedom in Christ for slavery to sin again. We are not saved by fruit. We are saved by faith, but we're never saved by fruitless faith. We have to not come back this way. We got to go. Ooh, come on, I'm preaching today. We got to go this way. We got to go up to that spirit level and start being led by the spirit. And do you see what the answer to all this is? It's love, man. It is letting the love of Jesus be our everything. Man, I wanna bring love into my family. Can I tell you something about quarantine that you can practice? One of the things that quarantine will teach you to do and teach you to recognize is that if you don't love your family well, nothing else you do really counts. You might go out of the house and be the nice, see the mailman. Hey, Tom, how you doing today? God bless you. Good to see you. But if you're a jerk to your family when you left, it doesn't count. You only love God as much as the person that you treat the worst. And sometimes those people are in our own homes. So we can practice the fruit of the Spirit and living this God kind of life by modeling it, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, meekness, temperance, all those things toward the people that we're closest to. We can practice them, practice allowing God to let those things be grown. And we'll talk about growth later in the series, how you have to cultivate growth. It, it doesn't, I mean, there's no chia pet way to have the fruit of the Spirit in your life. It doesn't work that way. It takes time. And it takes development. But I'm grateful that, man, the Bible says, being born again. I think it's 1 Peter 2. Oh, my goodness. It's 1 Peter 2. It might be 28, but I don't know. Maybe it's 2 Peter. It's one of those that it says, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible seed, the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. The grass withereth and the flower thereof fadeth away, but the word of God liveth and abideth forever. It shall not fade away. We're born again of an incorruptible seed. I'm grateful that the seed that was planted in me, when, when Jesus came into my life, that is not perishable. Okay, so my hope is that my life becomes fertile soil, that I can grow the attributes of God in this walk until the day that I see him face to face. And then I can know that I'm living out my purpose. And I pray that for you as well today. If you don't know Jesus, and please join us next week as we get into Orchard Part 2, Fake Fruit. But if you don't know Jesus today, I want to give you an opportunity right now. I'm going to tell you he loves you, cares for you. Maybe you're like one of, and I told you you're somebody in the story. Who was in the story? Well, we had people who knew nothing about God, who had found out about Jesus. Maybe that's you. Maybe you know nothing about God. Then we have people that knew about God, but believed that the way to him was doing everything perfectly. Maybe that's you. 
Then we have people over here on the other side who knew about God, found Jesus, and maybe thought that salvation is just lifting your hand in a meeting going, yes, I accept Jesus. And then bound, I can do whatever I want to do. Go wherever I want, hang out with whoever I want, sleep with whoever I want, drink whatever I want, do whatever I want anytime, and I'm fine. You're, some, you're one of those people. You're somebody in that story. So whoever you are in the story today, realize that living down here in this self-absorbed kind of life doesn't work. It's time for us to move to a different place and start living a spirit-empowered, a spirit-led kind of life. If that's you, I want to pray for you. I believe people's lives are about to change right now. I believe that's what's happening. When you preach the, the message of Jesus Christ, that there's hope in Jesus and Jesus alone, I believe that hearts and lives are changed. So right now, if that's you and you say, I need Jesus to become the Lord of my life. I need Jesus to be my Lord and Savior. I'm going to ask you to do something right now. I'm going to ask you to lift your hand right where you are. And I believe that you can do that physically, but I also think if you're watching online, I'd love for you to type in there. I'm raising my hand. Just type it. Say, I need Jesus in my life. Or col.tv or cityoflife.live. I think there's a button there that says raise hand. Please click that button if that's you. You need to raise your hand. You need Jesus to become the Lord of your life. I'm going to pray with you right now and ask that Jesus would become your Lord and Savior. Come on, could you pray this prayer with me out loud? Say, I ask you, Lord, to forgive me of my sins. I'm turning away from the old life, stepping into a new life with you, Lord Jesus. I believe you died for me and rose again so I could have eternal life. I can't earn my salvation. And on the other hand, I don't want to take for granted the beauty of the sacrifice that you made for me. I want to live a spirit-empowered life. Lead me, Lord. Let my life be an orchard to truly produce fruit that's pleasing to you in all that I do. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, can we give God a huge praise today? He's This concludes the teaching. If you'd like to support what God is doing here at City of Life, click on the Give button at www.col.tv or text a dollar amount to the number 855-997-6900. We hope you'll join us again.